Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Orion has partnered with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, the federal agency responsible for granting intellectual property rights for patents and trademarks in the U.S. The USPTO is consistently ranked as one of the best places to work in the federal government, and they're currently hiring patent examiners to join their growing team at their headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. The USPTO is strongly committed to veteran hiring and has hired an average of 100 veterans a year since 2012. In this episode, I'm joined by Raj Chakraborty, an Army veteran hired by the USPTO seven years ago as a patent examiner. Raj has continued to progress in his career with the USPTO and is now a patent examiner supervisor. During our discussion, Raj talks about what attracted him to the USPTO and the many reasons that make it a great place for veterans to work. Patent examiners review applications to determine whether a patent can be granted for new inventions. The USPTO is currently hiring patent examiners in several disciplines, including biomedical engineering, chemical engineering, computer engineering, computer science, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, biology, and design. To learn more about patent examiner careers with the USPTO, visit us online at www.oriontalent.com forward slash USPTO. Hi, Raj. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk with you because we've partnered with the USPTO a couple of times over the past few years, and we've always had a really good experience. And really what kind of leads to that good experience is that it seems like there's so much interest in, um, you know, the roles that you guys offer from our veteran community. So I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about that. Glad to hear it. Yeah, looking forward to it as well. Okay, so you obviously are USPTO employee, so you're going to be a great person to talk to about this particular topic. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, just your education and your military background? I'm um, sure. Um, so I studied electrical engineering in undergraduate, um, and after getting my bachelor's, I had an opportunity to go on to graduate school. Uh, I pursued my master's on a university assistantship. And shortly after graduating, I was working in uh, a few different companies uh, in New York and then in the Bay Area. And in 2009, I got this email from a recruiter uh, where they mentioned that the Army was looking for people with certain linguistic and, um, and or medical background to join the military um, I had come to the United States as a foreign student. And um, to me at that point, there was no better way to earn my uh, citizenship uh, than through service. I really enjoyed you know, living in the U.S. I had built a life. And uh, when I got that opportunity, I kind of jumped on it. Um, in 2009, I left for basic training after the in-processing system in the Army. And... Uh, shortly after completing BASIC, um, I was uh, selected to join a civil affairs unit out of Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Um, and one of the most memorable moments for me at the end of BASIC was my citizenship ceremony. So I went to BASIC training in Fort Sill in Oklahoma. Um, and uh, what seemed like you know, a large part of the town had come out to the ceremony that only had me and maybe four other soldiers getting our citizenships. Um, and the local news press was there. 
they had cameras and, you know, there were newspaper articles and it was a very memorable moment. You know, we felt really welcome and, um, you know, it's one of those experiences that I'll carry with me. Um, after, you know, moving to Fort Bragg, um, I got an opportunity to kind of use both my linguistic skills. Uh, I spoke a few languages that the Army uh, needed at that time and also my technical skills. Uh, we had set up an electronics and communication section for a unit. And we were able to support some very uh, critical missions through our work at that at that unit. That's awesome. I love that story that you told about your citizenship. When you decided to join the army, I know that that was citizenship was one of the goals. I'm sure that there were other reasons that you also wanted to serve in the military. But um, for your family, who you know they're not from the United States, were they surprised when you told them that you were going to be joining the military, or did they think that was the best route for you because of the fact that it would help you gain citizenship? My family was very supportive. Uh, they knew how much I loved the United States. Uh, they knew how much I you know, wanted to build my life here. And in college, I had a roommate. You know, He's my best friend, my, the best man at my wedding. Uh, he was in the reserves while I was going through college. And I had a lot more knowledge. He, can't, he comes from one of those military families. And so I was able to reach out to him, um, you know, his parents, his sister, you know, who are all uh, some of them are still serving. Um, and so I had a little bit, you know, of a clearer picture on what it means to serve. Um, and I think when I was, when I communicated that to my parents, uh, they were also, you know, pretty clear on, on, you know, what my goals were, why I wanted to serve and how I would serve. So, um, you know, as much as possible to kind of predict at that point of time. Um, so they were very supportive and, um, and yeah, and just, you know, earning my citizenship that way meant meant a lot to me, and then they kind of knew that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to talk a little bit more about your career with the USPTO. I actually read an article on Military Times recently that said almost one-third of federal government employees are veterans, which I actually didn't know that. That surprised me, but it does make sense because you get great benefits, job security, you're able to build on the skills that you learned in uniform, and I'm sure those are all things that you could attest to. So I want to talk about that in more detail. How did you initially hear about a career with USPTO? So in 2012, so, you know, starting at 2009, I knew around 2013, I would have to, uh, you know, I was planning on separating from the, from the military. And, and my reason for separating was I had this engineering background that I had picked up in, in college, and then I had applied extensively in the Army. And so I felt I kind of had the skill set where I could, you know, go out and, and work in technology. Um, and more specifically within the technology domain, I, I liked intellectual property. I liked that confluence of technology and law. And um, the USPTO seemed like, a, you know, the, the perfect place to begin that, that journey. Um, in 2012, both through an outreach program that the USPTO had at various military bases and career services and transition services. And as well as on the USPTO's website, there was a lot of information um, about, you know, how veterans could join the USPTO. Um, 2012 was an important year in that sense because our chief administrative officer, Fred Steckler, um, had worked closely with the newly formed USPTO Military Association to come up with uh, the veteran hiring program. And what that veteran hiring program did was enable veterans or transitioning military members to um, you know, very quickly 
join the USPTO. And um, and in 2012, I, I reached out after I got that information from the USPTO's website and the, and the Army Transition Services. I was, um, you know, Fred and uh, Sharon Gibson, who's the veteran hiring program manager currently, uh, both invited me to visit. And so I was in the DC area. I, you know, I stopped by and I got a tour of the agency. They had, um, they had one of the uh, examiners, uh, pan examiners, who was also an army veteran, uh, give me a tour as well after, you know, I met the, the leadership. And it was very, it felt very welcoming. And they, um, you know, they all took out time from their busy schedules to kind of, you know, explain to me what the job entails, you know, what the USPTO is, uh, what, you know, what the culture is, what the mission is. And, uh, and you know, I, I immediately, I loved it. And I, and I knew that I wanted to transition uh, to the agency on, on separation from the Army. That's really awesome. It sounds like they really give you the royal treatment because if you think about it, you know, it's like a big organization. It's not like it's just, you know, some small company that you reach out to them, they bring you on site. I mean, it's just such a lar large organization that I'm sure that was one of the things that attracted to you just to know that you were able to kind of get that one-on-one -on -one time with them and that they were so accommodating and willing to show you around and bring you in like you were one of their own before you even started working there. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I have done that currently for other veterans and, um, you know, it's enjoyable from both for both sides. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we have these very senior leaders that took out time to meet me and, you know, they were really busy with their schedules, uh, but, you know, they still made time for me. Um, but me, even when I was an examiner, you know, you know, not leadership position, if I had some time and I was able to help a veteran like you know kind of give a tour i always did that and i and i found that really enjoyable to talk about my job uh you know talk about them their goals and, and kind of like the transition process mm -hmm. i think that's great because a lot of times when we, you know we have veterans that are transitioning into a role um outside of their military occupation i think one of the biggest things for anyone veteran or not when you're starting a new job is wondering is there going to be anyone here that I can relate to? Anyone that's actually going to care about me and my success here? And it sounds like you guys really do. Uh, we do. We have, we actually have a lot of um, veterans in leadership positions. We have veterans in all our different business units and, you know, in, in the patents area, in information technology and in administration in human resources. So they're spread out. Uh, pretty widely in the USPTO. I think since 2012, uh, the, the agency has hired about 100 veterans per year. Uh, and currently, you know, as of late last year, I think we were in the mid 800 uh, range uh, for, for veterans. Um, there's also a culture of supporting veterans. So beyond, you know, even the tangible programs, you know, like the military redeployment program for people who want to um, continue uh, serving, you know, in the reserves uh, at the agency. There, are, there are also, um, you know, just kind of like intangible support that you get. Like when I started, my manager, um, you know, asked me about my job, and and but then also asked me how I was doing and how I was settling into the, you know, the civilian sector and the Washington D.C. area. Um, it's that's the kind of support that I think a lot of veterans are used to in the military. You know, military leadership. Um, especially immediate supervisors are, are very concerned about, you know, the, the military member, um, 
not just for the you know the professional part but also to make sure you know holistically the person is doing well and i found that kind of support from my my managers when i started um the USPTO Military Association is also a great way to connect to uh, people who are still, you know, some of them still in the reserves, uh, some that, you know, ha you know, have separated fully but had long military careers. Uh, there are coffee meetings, even when we're teleworking, um, you know, there's there's time set during the week where you can kind of join in on a, on a chat and get your own coffee and just have a conversation. Um, we also have a lot of ceremonies. We, we have a really good Veterans Day celebration. Um, and it's, it's a very active uh, society and, and, you know, even beyond that, just like the different, uh, cultural associations, um, all of that, you, you can really form a very good network with other veterans, um, and leaders who are, who are veterans themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that you're saying all of this because, you know, a lot of times when you're looking for a career online and say, you know, someone who's listening to this, they've maybe seen our emails about the USPTO or they've seen the website. And of course, you know, you companies always kind of put their best foot forward and in, in types of communication like that. You don't really know until you kind of hear from someone who works there and just the way that you're talking about it. So you're not only giving um, validity to a lot of the things that we're saying about the USPTO, but you're also giving more detail. Like a lot of the things that you've described, um, I had no idea about. I'm sure that, you know, the listeners wouldn't have had any idea about. It's just something that I'm really glad that we're doing this because I think it does allow you to tell the story about why the USPTO is such a great place for veterans to work. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that even on my tour, hearing those stories in person from you know veterans who were examiners, all the way up to veterans who were you know leaders, um, it you know it it helped me understand that there are there's a lot of growth opportunity and um, that people were able to kind of connect to other people with that military background. And I think, um, you know, if somebody doesn't have time for the tour, is not able to do the tour, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, our conversation will kind of give them a picture of that. Yeah, definitely. So you just mentioned growth, which is great, because that's what I was going to ask you about next. I know you were hired in 2012, correct, as a patent examiner? Uh, 2013. 2013. Okay. So, um, Seven years later, what has your career progression looked like? Because I think you mentioned you're in a leadership role now. Um, so I, I started as a patent examiner in electrical engineering. And um, I was I, I worked directly with um, Sharon Gibson, who was the veteran hiring program manager currently. Um, and she was able to connect me to an art unit that I really enjoyed working for and art units within the USPTO are units that work on specific kind of technology. So I, I had studied wireless communication um, in, in undergraduate and in graduate school, and also a significant portion of my work in the Army was um, towards you know radio frequency communication, wireless communication. So I was able to go work for a part of the USPTO that worked on those applications. Um, so it was very interesting, you know, just looking at that confluence of law and technology, looking at how technology was evolving in that domain um, was, was really interesting. So I did that for about five and a half years. Um, at the USPTO, an examiner will usually start at um, the GS7 or GS9 level, which is um, 
a federal pay scale, but it, the USPTO has its own special pay, uh, pay scale. Um, that's a little bit more than the normal federal pay scale. But uh, so I started at a GS9 um, and we have very clearly mapped promotions, uh, a promotion process. And you're not really competing with anybody for those promotions. You're just competing with yourself. So uh, to me, that was very attractive. I knew what goals I had to achieve to get to the next GS level or you know, to get promoted. And um, all the way up to you know, GS 14, which are senior examiners, what we call as primary examiners. And um, once you go through like this couple, you know, two-year process to become a primary examiner. Um, so once you start as a as a junior examiner, uh, you go through the you know three four years. Uh, you start the program as a primary examiner, and once you complete that, you have a lot of freedom in terms of signing your own cases, managing your docket. Um, it you know, you, it's just you have unparalleled kind of freedom uh, to to work on your cases. Uh, once I did that, I had some opportunities to work on some very interesting areas within the USPTO, also as an examiner. Um, that was also kind of, that was the first competitive selection uh, process that I went through. But again, being a veteran helped me in that process. Um, and my manager who hired me, um, you know, uh, mentioned that that was kind of an interesting point that stood out uh, to him when he was doing the interviews. And so, uh, you know, that veteran experience really kind of helped me through uh, my career. And then recently I, I was promoted to a supervisor and I currently manage uh, about 14 examiners. That's awesome. So one thing I want to follow up on was kind of when you mentioned the pay scale and how you guys have a clear pay scale and um, path for promotion, really. When I mentioned earlier that so many veterans go to work and for the federal government, I think that's part of the reason because, I mean, in the private sector, you could pretty much be working somewhere for years. Who knows? There's never really like a, for most companies, there's not really like a clear cut, okay, you do this, um, you achieve these goals and then you get promoted. I mean, some people go years without getting promoted. And so I think that's something that would appeal to veterans. And I'm sure it appealed to you to know that similar to your military background, you knew what it was going to take to get to the next step. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think veterans are uniquely suited for um, that kind of setup because um, veterans like, you know, when you're in the military, you are given objectives and goals and you know what you have to do, you know, for a promotion board or for, you know, if you're competing for, you know, like the soldier of the month board, the very clear goals on what you have to achieve, um, you know, beyond the tangible uh, skills that are required, you know, whether, you know, the, the technical background, uh, you, you need those intangible skills to be able to kind of reach out to people for help, to be able to communicate with your supervisor, uh, to be able to communicate with external stakeholders, like people who are filing patent applications. Um, and I think veterans really exceed and excel in, in all of those areas. And especially when in combination with those clear goals, um, it, you know, they're very well suited for uh, making those goals as they move up in the PTO. Mm -hmm. So when you look at your job, we know necessarily now, because I know that you're in a leadership role, so it's a little bit different than what we're actually helping you guys recruit veterans for, which is the patent examiner role. So 
um, looking back and even really just the people that you're now responsible for supervising, what, um, can you tell me a little bit more background on like what a typical day looks like? And then also what skills and traits are important to be a successful patent examiner? Uh, so a typical day for a patent examiner would be, you know, opening up the examiner's docket. So every examiner has a docket of cases that they're examining. And uh, when I say examining, they're looking at an application they're looking at the state of technology in that area. They're looking at what we call prior art, you know, what else is out there um, and comparing that application that they're examining to this prior art to see if that application is inventive, if it's novel. And uh, based on that analysis, they make a determination on whether that application is going to be an issued patent or it's going to be rejected and, you know, prosecution is going to continue um, to see if eventually that patent can become, an, that application can become a patent. Um, so most of the work that an examiner does is on the applications that they're docketed. Um, there are other events during the course of the day, such as meetings with your peers. Uh, we call them quality enhancement meetings, where if an examiner has questions on an application or, or on a technology or on a legal issue, uh, they have this network of peers that they can talk to. Uh, there are trainings that happen, but for the vast majority of the time, the examiner is working on their applications. So they have almost complete control on the way that they want to plan their day or their week. Um, I think the skills that are needed to succeed are, um, you know, as I mentioned previously, are, are certainly tangible technical skills, because to determine whether an application is patentable, the examiner has to understand what that technology uh, is. Uh, but there is also a very significant, you know, intangible component to their uh, skill set that helps them excel, which is uh, you know, self-motivation, time management, and good communication skills. Uh, it's important to know how to plan your week or to plan your day with the cases on your docket. Uh, we're, we're very much a culture of self-motivation and, you know, not micromanaging. So um, people who tend to do really well manage their time well and are motivated to, you know, kind of achieve their goals for the, for the week or for the day um, and for the year, because we actually have uh, an award system at the end of the year uh, that rewards, you know, somebody who's doing high quality work, a lot of work. Um, and, you know, those are financial incentives as well. But, um, you know, some people also like taking advantage of kind of like our unparalleled work-life balance and uh, making sure that, you know, they have their work set out in a way in which they can, you know, do all their normal activities or whatever other interests that they have beyond work, and they're still able to kind of manage their workflow. Um, as a manager, what I see, um, you know, in, beyond those skills are just people who are very good at communicating, people who can explain that invention that they're working on, that application that they're reviewing, you know, very briefly and concisely to, to me or to a primary examiner who's reviewing their work, um, or when they're having an interview with a patent attorney or the inventor. Um, and I think people with, you know, that self-motivation, time management, communication skill, uh, 
um, can can really excel and there's nothing really holding them back because again they're just competing with themselves so if they can get to their cases produce high quality work communicate with their managers and external stakeholders um, they are going to get promoted um, I, I will say the one thing that the very first year um, it, it can be challenging for examiners because it is a new field i think a lot of people who study engineering um, or have worked on technical areas in the past um, are not necessarily that aware of patent law. Um, and, you know, occasionally we'll have applicants who have that background and it's a little bit easier. But for me, I, I didn't really have uh, a background in patent law. And so that first year learning curve can be um, a little difficult and challenging. Um, there we do have a production system. So we have to do a certain number of applications every two weeks, which we call a bi-week. Um, and, uh, you know, it's measured on the amount of time and, you know, how many cases uh, you do. And so that first year learning curve is, you know, some of it is to optimize how you work within that given time frame, to optimize quality with time uh, with the other demands. So, um, but once an examiner gets used to that, initial work environment, um, as they move on, it becomes very natural. You know, it's, it's not something that an examiner has to keep thinking about. But those challenges are very much, a, a, you know, at least in my experience, an initial challenge that once you settle in um, is great because now there are clear goals again of, you know, how much production I have to do to be able to get a certain award or to make a certain, you know, a certain grade level. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, all in my control. So you mentioned the challenges that you know people face when they first start as a patent examiner, which I think is really the case for any position that someone accepts when they're leaving the military, any type of um, position that you're doing that's different than the military, even if it is something that has some similarities, you're still joining a new company, you're still learning new things. And so what I found is that a lot of times it's not really how steep the learning curve is, but how much support you're provided by the company you go to work for. And it sounds like at the USPTO, you guys provide a lot of support and resources for employees. We, and that support stays throughout your career at the USPTO. Um, when I first joined, um, you know, I, I thought about two different avenues I could pursue in intellectual property. You know, one was to separate from the army and go to law school full time and, um, you know, kind of pursue that intellectual property route or join the USPTO um, and take advantage of its excellent academy. And I, cho I chose the latter primarily because not only was I learning the theory in the academy, which is a few months long when you start at the USPTO, but very importantly, I was able to apply that almost immediately after the academy. So I was applying that on real cases. I was interviewing real inventors and patent attorneys. I was working on cases that were, you know, real live applications. Um, and so it was an excellent opportunity to kind of, you know, both learn and apply. And the academy does a very good job at teaching patent law. And there's plenty of support while an examiner is going through the academy. They usually have a supervisor at the academy, and they're also connected to their manager, their future manager in their art unit that they will 
transition to from the academy. So for me, I had access to you know two managers that I could discuss technology, law, uh, anything that applied to cases. Um, there are also teaching assistants at the academy, um, and very importantly, there are uh, you build a really good network of friends uh, while you're going through the academy, and I'm still in contact with them. Uh, we still run ideas by each other. We still, um, you know, if we're facing a challenge, we discuss. And then once an examiner transitions to the art unit, they have, um, you know, both very structured help things. So we have, you know, scientific and technology offices that will provide technology-specific guidance. We have uh, meetings, uh, weekly meetings or bi-weekly meetings with just the examiners and their peers. So, you know, no managers, just examiners and their peers where they're discussing and running ideas by each other. And then, you know, the network that an examiner forms as they're going through the USPTO career. Uh, so they're the friends, their peers, and sometimes just, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee and, and, and you know, talking uh, to a- another examiner uh, helps a lot in coming up with an idea. So, um, there is a lot of support. Nobody's an island. Nobody is working in void. Um, managers make themselves available. Um, I know that my examiners call me for uh, an array of issues, whether it's you know that application specific, whether it's their career questions, uh, whether it's a detail that they would like to do. And um, most managers will make themselves available in very short period of time to kind of you know answer uh, their con- questions and concerns. Um, and you know what I found out is just you know once I kind of gained that experience and knowledge going through, um, I'm I'm able to help people you know both as an examiner and now as a supervisor. Um, so, and, and you know going back to my other first avenue of maybe attending law school, I I attend law school now part time, which the USPTO kind of uh, really supports. That's awesome. Okay, so, you know, I kind of consider myself, I always have all these ideas and all these inventions that I want to have, but everyone probably fancies themselves an inventor in their mind. So to me, that aspect of it would be the most fun part of your job is just kind of seeing all of this like ingenuity and ideas that you're able to see every day. And I just think that would be interesting, but I'm curious to hear from you, what is the most fun part of your job? The, the most fun aspect of the job is the job itself. So in, in my career as an examiner and now as a, as a supervisor, um, you know, I've worked on or supervised applications in the area of self-driving cars, smartphones, you know, 5G telecommunication systems, medical devices, technology that form core areas of our everyday life. And have a huge part in the way in which our society functions. And also these applications give a glimpse into the directions that the technology is evolving. So while working on these applications, one day they're going to be common and people are going to take them for granted. But as an examiner, you get a very early glimpse into that. The second part of it is the diversity and inclusive um, environment. So working at the PTO, there are people from many different backgrounds, and that reflects in the various cultural associations, the activities, and um, just walking around campus, talking to somebody, um, and just hearing, you know, their perspective or their story. 
Uh, so it, it forms for this very interesting work environment. Uh, there are also many clubs. So there are clubs that are directed towards, you know, hiking, book clubs, uh, cooking clubs, you know, even during the telework time that we are in now, uh, these clubs are functioning. So they still have online meetings and they continue and the organizers put in great effort to make sure everybody you know, is able to communicate with each other, keep their interests going and build on that sense of camaraderie that we've always had. And, uh, and then the other um, aspect of it is the variety of career opportunities. When I started working at the PTO, I, I worked as an examiner. Um, I think many people will start working as, as an examiner, a patent or trademark examiner. But then once they've spent time at the PTO, they can explore their interests within the field of IP, which is very broad and, and vast. So, um, you know, you can do details in the patent trial and appeal board if you're interested in the legal aspects of intellectual property. Um, I know examiners who have applied for detailed positions at our international office, at our administrative offices, at human resources, at uh, information technology offices. And there are also very interesting positions like IP attache programs uh, worldwide where you, know, you represent US IP interest in a, in a country and you're stationed there for a few years. So um, it's, you know, you're starting out as an examiner and then having these opportunities to kind of explore other parts of the offices of the office to details uh, gives a very good higher level view of how the agency and beyond that intellectual property as a whole functions uh, both in our society and, and around the world. Mm -hmm. So you've talked about a lot of really great things about, you know, why the USPTO is a great place for veterans to start their civilian career. And it sounds like you really enjoy your time there. So if you had to narrow it down and just, you know, leave our listeners with some closing thoughts about why you personally would recommend the USPTO as a place for veterans to come work, what would you say? I think the top three reasons, um, for the top two reasons, I think that the first reason is the continued sense of service. I think most veterans leave the military with that sense of contributing to the country, to society, and intellectual property, and the PTO provides that opportunity. Um, intellectual property is one of those foundational pillars of US economy. American industry has flourished under the system of providing protection to innovators through patents and trademarks. And it has made our country and society into a very innovative uh, part of the world technology ecosystem. And to be able to be part of that and to contribute to that, um, to the economy overall and to US innovation that ranges from somebody working in their garage all the way to big tech companies is uh, an amazing way to continue that service um, after the military. The second reason I would say is the unparalleled work-life balance and the collegial environment. Um, they tie into each other. The work-life balance uh, enables an examiner or an employee at the PTO to work when they're at work and focus on their job. But then once work is done, it's not a job where you're, you know, you're likely to get a 9 p.m. phone call on your cell phone. So you know when work ends, it ends. Um, 
there's tremendous control over schedule, uh, over the way that somebody may want to get their work done. Um, and especially in these unprecedented times, uh, that means a lot. The, the support of the, the really good support we've been getting to, to telework uh, while uh, everything else is going on has been a, a huge asset. And the collegial environment allows for the time spent at work to actually um, you know, get your work done in an in a environment where you're not being micromanaged. You work very closely with your uh, supervisor, with your peers, and everybody supports each other and everybody's looking out to make sure that people succeed. When, when I came into the PTO, uh, every step of the way, my managers have tried, you know, have gone above and beyond to make sure that I'm successful. Uh, when, I was an when I was a junior examiner, I got a lot of support so I could become a primary examiner. When I became a primary examiner, I got a lot of support from my managers and, and peers um, so as to be able to make supervisory examiner. And even at this point, uh, when I started as a, a what we call a SPE, uh, my boss, the director of the tech center, would meet me weekly uh, to make sure that I had the support and resources I needed to succeed as a new manager. And that continues to the day and really will continue throughout your career at the PTO. So that collegial environment, along with that work-life balance, uh, I think will... You know, is attractive to to anybody trying to make a career uh, in general. And then the third is the support for veterans. I received a lot of support when I first transitioned from military to the civilian uh, areas. Uh, my coworkers, my boss would always ask me how I'm settling in. And at all, every stage, uh, there was support from the USPTO Military Association, from other veterans. Uh, but also from everybody else at the PTO who really appreciate the time that you've, you've spent serving. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Raj, you've been really great today. I've learned so much about the USPTO, and it sounds like a really great place to work. Like I mentioned earlier, companies always say, you know, what they're about, what their values are, and it's really invaluable to hear from someone who can talk about you know, what your values are and, and what it actually looks like in a real-life situation, and I think you've done just that. Is there anything else that you would like to mention about the USPTO, your hiring initiatives, anything that you feel like we haven't discussed already? Um, so I, I would like to briefly mention the, you know, like the application process. So we have a streamlined application process for veterans. Um, you know, the veteran has to provide or the transitioning member has to provide uh, the resume, their resume, transcripts, and a DD-214 member four copy that reflects honorable uh, discharge from the armed services. And um, the best way to apply to the USPTO is to email uh, our hiring manager, our hiring program manager, Sharon Gibson, who, who brought me in into the USPTO, you know, along with Fred Steckler. Um, and so her, you know, and she can be reached through our veterans mailbox, which is hirevets at USPTO.gov. And that the time that it takes for a veteran to join the USPTO is from 15 to approximately 45 days, depending on, uh, you know, how the app, how the candidate applies for the position. You know, that is, if they're applying through USA Jobs, it might take a little bit longer than if they're applying through that higher vets. Um, so, um, you know, certainly the best way to to, to um, 
apply is to email the higher vets uh, mailbox. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much. And we look forward to the continued partnership. Thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks thanks for, for having me. And, and, I, and I hope that veterans will consider uh, working for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.